Hello, hello. Welcome to Tassiography. I am some guy in the wilderness, River Kenna. And today we are talking to Visa Virasami about his tweet, Focus your time and energy on what you want to see more of, which was itself an inspiration for this entire series of conversations. So it's real good to have him here for this one. Today's episode is sponsored by Death. When the time comes, you will slip effortlessly into mystery. All right, let's get started. Sure, right. So I was just revisiting some of my older writing. So I have an archive on my blog where I like export all my old blog posts and stuff. And I found an, a post from like 2011-ish, which I, was, which I must have been just writing for myself, like just reflections. And there was like a proto version of focus on what you want to see more of where I don't know if I said more of then, but it was more like just reflecting on the inevitability of having to filter filter out some stuff because there's just so much stuff coming your way in every dimension of life, right? Like just information, people, ideas, whatever it is. There's, all, there's just so much that if you don't consciously make a choice to focus on stuff, then your attention will be directed for you by external circumstances or whatever is loudest or whatever is most exciting or lurid or whatever. And even as a, like in my early twenties, I was, and I think even as a teenager, I was reflecting on like, you know, what do you want and, and how do you want to live your life and what outcomes do you want? And I've always been kind of, I don't know how I put this. Let me feel it. Disappointed somewhat and dismayed somewhat witnessing smart people get swept up in things that, you know, if they took a step back, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's not how I want to be spending my time. Like arguing with people about inconsequential things or just getting swept up in things that we don't like. And I guess... um yeah, that's just it's just been like a mantra for me, I guess, like to try and remind myself of what it is that I care about and what it is that I want to focus on. And I I can't remember the precise context in which I first did the first tweet of that. And again, it was not the first tweet because you can find older tweets, but like at the point in time where I felt very strongly about it, I must have been witnessing people swept up in in stuff that they did not want to see more of, and I just kind of yeah, I, 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 I don't know how. It doesn't have. It has a very ordinary origin. I feel like that phrase. It doesn't. It doesn't come from like a super sudden flash of insight or anything like that. Like it was just a cumulative sense of background frustration with the way that attention is allocated, and in the years since, I have seen it apply in so many dimensions in so many contexts you know in relationships in in work in in just public life and i lost track of your question your question was like what is the what was your question again <laughs> yeah you're doing great just the beginning question is kind of where does it come from what does it mean to you just your general spiel on it so you're doing yeah great. so so just <laughs> ju yeah so just generally you know, so I hated school as a kid and, and you can think of school as a, a rigid frame in which your attention is directed for you. Like you're supposed to pay attention to the class, to the teacher, so on. And I never liked that. And, you know, in the, in the years since that tweet 
and that thought, it's just become more and more apparent to me that everything is downstream of what we attend to, like paying attention to something as attending to something. And yeah, so I've written two books. One book's called Friendly Ambitious Nerd. The other book's called Introspect. You could say that the first book is about, you know, how you interface with external reality. And you could say that the second book is how you interface with internal reality. And in both of those cases, it wasn't super obvious to me while I was writing those books. But now that I look back, I realize that they are both books about attention. You could say attention sovereignty or attention management or just what do you attend to and why? Like Just reflecting on that, I think, has a clarifying effect. It has a it makes people more powerful, even, I would say. like, And I think I have a subsequent tweet that's like, I suspect that all sovereignty, all sense of self, all sense of... And I say sense of self, I mean like in an in a empowered state or like in a, in a confident or knowing state. It has to be downstream, it seems to me. It seems to me that it has to be downstream of attention sovereignty. Because if you can't decide what you're going to pay attention to, then you can't really do anything else like like everything else is downstream of like it's it's kind of tautological like for me now it's so self-evident that sometimes if i want to explain it to someone else i have to have a conversation with them about what they attend to right like what do they pay attention to because it's it's not obvious it's either super obvious once you get it or it's like not at all obvious if you don't get it yet because it's like what are you even talking about like what attention what like but yeah it's like you cannot for example, if you're talking about like musicianship or, or sportsmanship, like playing an instrument or, or doing a thing, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, you can't get better at it like in, in a meaningful way. Like you have to, well, there's, there's like some exceptions to that general rule, but like, you know, it's like you have to notice a thing in order to do something about it. And so this is like the meta of noticing what you notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's striking me. This has struck me a few times in these conversations, but all of the people and phrases that I've chosen to interview seem focused around a couple of the same things. I had a conversation with Michael Ashcroft about Mm -hmm. you can only respond to what you notice. Yes. And yeah, this seems very much like you can only respond to what you notice Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. be very goddamn discerning about what you respond to. Right? Right. And the sense I get from some people, yeah, the sense I get from some people is they don't feel like their response matters that much. And which is very sad. Mm. When, you, when you really get into it, it's pretty sad. Like, and maybe, you know, at, especially if you're young and you don't have a lot of influence or power or whatever yet, it might feel like, oh, you know, what does it matter what I say about these things? Or what does it matter what I, you know, if I'm goofing? And again, I'm, I'm pro-goofing off, so I'm not saying, like, don't goof off. But, like, I, I have encountered several instances that are quite tragic where especially young guys, I find I get DMs from people who are struggling. And an unstated assumption that they have is that, oh, it doesn't really matter what I do. I'm not that important. You know, I don't really have that much influence. And it's kind, of, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing where if you treat your life like it matters, then, again, not everyone might agree. Like someone else might dismiss the way you're being, but it will resonate with other people who also want to live lives that, feel meaningful and consequential in some way and yeah it, uh, I, I used to want to believe strongly in the idea that someone can do this for themselves like you can on your own figure out what matters to you and kind of decide 
to live a more consequential, more meaningful, significant life, even within your own frame, right? So it doesn't matter if and someone else thinks, oh, you know, this person is unimportant, they don't matter, whatever. Like that's not that's not very important. What's important, I, I believe, right? What's important is kind of your self respect, your self image, your self concept, and when I reflect on it, though, I suspect that a lot of my personal development in terms of like learning to take myself seriously, learning to to respect myself, right? Respect my 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 beliefs and actions. So like to treat like so in an interaction with a stranger, to treat them with kindness, even if they're never gonna see you again, you're never gonna see them again, it doesn't seem like it's all that important. It's important to me because every action I take, every interaction I have with someone, it feeds into my self-image, my self-concept, my self-narrative. And there are some people who I think try to compartmentalize their lives such that, you know, how I treat this particular person doesn't really matter because I'm focused on those things. And I think that compartmentalization is possible, but even if you do that, there's something kind of somewhat dehumanizing about having such barriers within yourself. Like you Enforcing that internal mentalization takes effort it takes a kind of you you like enforcing any kind of boundary any kind of any kind of barrier requires effort and investment into that effort and that is costly in ways that people might not understand yeah so i mean where i was going around with that is my, my the boss that i had at my first job he was a really nourishing presence in my life like he was curious about me and he wanted to help me succeed at whatever I wanted to succeed at. He wanted to just be helpful. And I do think that I inherited a lot of his his like nourishing, encouraging energy from him to me and and within myself and to other people. But I also like to think that I had some of that even before I met him. Like I had it from reading books. I had it from like I always felt like even if like school or like my external social reality felt dismissive of of what I cared about or what was important to me. Whenever I read almost any book, right, I feel like any book you can get in the library, like every book is written by someone who gave a shit about the thing that they're writing about and gives mm. a shit about the reader. So for me, reading has always been an exercise in like immersion in thoughtful attention. Like atten- So someone wants to attend to something beautifully in some way. And just being exposed to that and musicians as well, like, you know, just enjoying music that is made with love and and I guess this applies to anything that is made mindfully thoughtfully with love for some audience you know I so I bring all of that up just kind of to, to contextualize how I started out with some semblance some seed of wanting to care about things but it always felt kind of like hypothetical like hopeful like I, I'm hoping I think until I was like 22 which is when I met, met my ex-boss before that, I was very much like trying to meme myself into wanting to be a loving, caring, compassionate person who believes in a world that where kindness is valued and all those things. But I wasn't sure that I wasn't being a sucker, you know. And it, to some degree, it's like, well, if I I would rather be a sucker who believes in this like naive idealism than like someone who is very confident and certain that that stuff doesn't work or isn't mm. rewarded or whatever. But after meeting people who uh, more advanced in like f- further along their journeys in life and they are still like that 
that just gave me it like unlocked another layer of of um, of this whole sort of hmm, how do I put it? Once you witness that it is an idea that is just in reality and not just in your imagination or in books or in in theory, right? You see that you see it in practice. Once you see it embodied in actual living, I find that that just just I felt like like there was some barricade in my heart that just burst in a good way, and then I'm just I'm just able to be more fluent and fluid and and casually intense appropriately about these ideas and way of being, and so I try to I try to bring that to everything I do as much as I can because it's such a gift to to let someone witness that. Yeah, can I reflect one of the threads mm-hmm. that I'm hearing through yeah. what you're saying there? Yeah, so there were a few threads I'd like to respond to, but I'll just pick one and draw it out. (laughs) But yeah, there was something towards the beginning you were mentioning that you want to think that people can just like do this for themselves, that it can be about your own internal experience, your own internal compass, all this stuff. But then also, you know, the books that you've read, the a kind, nourishing boss, the way that you treat other people and the way that you include all of your life in how you're living your life instead of cutting out parts of yourself to be like, oh, that area doesn't matter. The way that this happens doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm hearing a something about navigating attention in mm-hmm. there where, yeah, it's just reminding me of an interaction I was having yesterday, today, whatever, around, there's that old young quote around like, you give ear to, you read books and give ear to all these outsiders what good is that? Hmm. And that's Rich coming from Jung, who like was a very studied person, read constantly. Right. Yeah, And that's why I love that quote so much is because it exists perfectly in that tension of like, hmm. everything has to come from within you. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm going to like, get out there and see as much of the world and meet as many people as I can, and right. get that to be one of the things inside of me that mm-hmm. I'm working with. I love that young I love I love that young said that and I I you know to be presumptuous I think I get it I think I get like I think that anyone who is very serious about some pursuit or some modality some way of being you know they will invariably eventually come brush up against the limits of what that thing can do and you will also be aware of like the ways in which that way of being so in this case like reading right the ways in which that way of being can be a distraction or an like an escapist in a bad way like a kind of leading away from the thing that you're supposed to face right so it's and i I respect young very much for for saying that i think like you know and i'm reminded of a quote from like a physicist i think like i was reading some book about explaining the basics of physics and like the whole first preface was like just the limits of models in physics and just the things that we don't know and the things that we like here's someone who's very very good at what they do and they they're confident enough in themselves and their work to start by telling you all of the ways in which it doesn't work right and that actually for me it builds trust right it it makes me more confident that this person is not going to like hoodwink you with with false certainty like there is a certain paradox in intention in in everything really right anything that you take seriously you're going to find that there's some limit to what it can do and you have to be aware of that. Yeah. All right. Anchoring back towards this phrase, the 
focus your time and energy on what you want to see more of. Mm-hmm. I always like to ask about near enemies of these okay. ideas. And is there anything that kind of looks like this, kind of feels like it, but isn't quite that? It's not quite the thing you're pointing at, even mm. though it might look like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not what you say. So every utterance is limited by bandwidth of language and, and all of those things. And there are ways, you know, another phrase that I like, another one of my tweets that I'm very proud of is any decent piece of advice can be weaponized to get back on your bullshit, which is kind of what I think, which I feel Young was trying to get at as well. And similarly, I think there is this, you know, like some people have pointed out that the focus more of tweet is very similar to the idea in The Secret. And the, the and just this idea of like manifesting and and like good vibes only and again like I I feel like one per, like you can have two people who are spouting the same utterances and one person could be living a very healthy life where they are you know supporting themselves supporting other people making good things happen and then you could have another person saying the exact same things. But like you just feel straight away like oh there's something toxic about this there's something like sinister and and like they're denying realities that they shouldn't you know for some reason or like you know they are like you could so again like you could use this phrase to avoid criticism right avoid responsibility for for like the consequences of your actions you could use it to like just shut out people or shut out you know, anything negative that might actually be something that you should integrate and hear. So yeah, I would say like, you know, and I was, I was just tweeting yesterday about the, the, the truest horror always comes from inside the house, right? Like, like betrayal from within or from your closest friends and family. Like some, some rando down the street can never hurt your feelings or can never ruin you the way like your closest friend might be able to. And similarly, um, the near enemy of something like focus on what you want to see more of is are you using that to to like in in an avoidant way right and and this is very tricky to put into like an, a, a phrase right it's, you you have to have you might have to have hours and hours of conversation about it and even then that might not be enough like you have to there's there's some specific angle or some specific context in which you have to witness someone almost abusing the idea in order to see why it's it's bad or wrong. But yeah, if I had to try and condense it, it would be, are you using it to to nourish what is good? Or are you using it like to in an avoidant way to to avoid facing things that you should? And and there's no like you know, there's you cannot uh you cannot run away from the or you cannot like remove the necessity of like judgment like your personal sense of what is right and what is wrong and and if if one individual is kind of trapped in some kind of avoidant bubble where they're refusing to see something they might need a friend or someone else to point to them what they're doing and uh, there is the 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 it's it can be kind of terrifying when you come to terms with the idea that there is no simple external referent that kind of will cleanly easily reliably tell you that you're doing it wrong like you can (laughs) you can live your whole life and like on your deathbed realize oh shit i was i was doing it wrong you know i i was talking with uh, a friend of a, a, a friend who well a friend's husband 
who like they are very much they've spent decades they're like older people and they've spent decades of their lives like in in very spiritual communities like in in yoga meditation like very deep in those spheres and the guy was telling me and he's like you know he's old he's wise he's like you know experienced and he was telling me about he had known people who had spent decades in that kind of monastic tradition or before finding out oh god i'm like this whole thing that i've been doing i've been kind of running away from myself or running away from my life i've been trying to seek this this spiritual goodie which is when when you step back and you look at it it's like oh it's it's not all that different from like climbing the corporate ladder with the idea that when you go up you will be better in some way like so here's an alternate path but it's still you know kind of escapist Right, and yeah, it's even still then, running on that same that same impulse. Yeah, which is which is when I hear about it, I'm like, oh shit, that's very that's horrifying to me. Like like the idea that waking up one day and realizing, I mean, it's better you realize it later than never. But that's the thing to try and it requires like vigilance. It requires second guessing yourself. It requires self doubt, uh, uncertainty. Like so, yeah, I I would be wary of. Anytime you feel absolutely certain about something, I think that's very tricky and and dangerous even. There's a line from Stephen Pressfield's War of Art where he says, the people who love their work, like in the writing, they're always like kind of terrified of what they like, like, oh my God, like, am I getting it right? Am I getting it wrong? Like it's the people who are overly certain uh, are the ones who kind of have blocked uh, out doubt entirely and that's not healthy. Yeah, so I guess to try and answer the question in a in a succinct way, like the near enemy of focus on what you want to see more of is if you think of it as a kind of tool, the near enemy are people who pick up the tool and use it in a like hostile I don't know if hostile is the right word, but he use it in a in a just thoughtless way. Like you have like kind of, you know, you 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 can use it very like, and that's true of all tools, right? Every every ham every hammer is also a weapon. You know, you can use fire to cook, or you can use it to burn someone's house down. And even like a, a sense of being mindful or being thoughtful about what you noticed, you can that can spiral into something potentially negative. That I, I wouldn't say I have like a lot of personal experience with doing that in a hostile way, but well, actually, I I yeah, when I was. When I was like twenty five ish, I remember spiraling into a depression, and and but that was before I I did all of this. But like now, when I look back, I can see that like my my depression spirals and stuff. Like none of the things that I was saying, because I, I was journaling as I went, and none of the sentences in my journal were like wrong. But like I was I was kind of, it's like technically correct, but in a frame that was was very uncharitable, very hostile and uh, I mean it, it remains again like so I guess at a at a meta level I, I haven't made up my mind about what all of that means like and, and if I had been extremely confident about that I think that would be a warning like a worrisome sign because that might be serving me in some way that I don't appreciate or you know that's all it's just messy I guess and yeah I, I guess yeah I would want people to know that it's a directive that's like it's tracings in the sand, you know. It's not. It's not like a like a like a stone. Even stone. I don't know if that's the right metaphor. Is is just you can use it to kind of 
think things through, but it's not a substitute for thought. You can't, you, you can never, you can never, yeah, you can never escape the need for, for judgment, for like personal discernment and, and evaluating what's going on and why are you doing what you're doing and what's the point and so on. Yeah, I'm hearing a return to one of the earlier things you said that you felt like disappointed and dismayed by seeing smart people swept mm-hmm. up in other people's stories, getting mm-hmm. really, yeah, zoomed in, claustrophilic, just like, honed in on whatever was right in front of them, whatever other people mm. had put right in front of them. Yeah. Does it feel fair to like throw that in here around like one of the near enemies, one of the ways that this can go wrong is if you just use focus on what you want to see more of inside of one of those closed off certain straightforward paths that you, that someone oh, yeah. else has already put in front of you. That's, that's yeah. So I, I don't know how much I would, choose the others versus self mm. kind of framing because it's so you know like my, like i guess i was lucky so i mentioned my ex-boss right and like i'm really lucky that he directed me in a very respectful way like because he was such a uh shining influence for me that if he had asked me to do bad things i mean i don't I mean, bad bad is like vague but like if he was abusive for example which he wasn't he was great but like you know if he pushed me too hard I would not have pushed back. I would have been like, oh yeah, he's smarter than me. He's wiser than me. Like he knows best. I should just do what he says, right? And that could have ended badly. But I was lucky in that he respected my sovereignty, right? And yeah, I think... So yeah, with with the focus thing and... Maybe I think about it in terms of like the narrowness of, of the frame. So if you're doing it in a very, very narrow frame and it's like... Someone's asking me to do X, but I don't want to do X. I want to do Y instead. So I'm going to focus on Y. That can be maybe good. But the the important thing is really to, to kind of zoom out and see the bigger picture in which everything is happening. Because when you are, when you are either kind of throwing yourself... So someone gives you some kind of option, right? Like they, they suggest that you do something. And then you either throw yourself into the thing or you throw yourself into not the thing. And those are not your only two options, but it might feel like that if you're in a very narrow focus. Whereas if you zoom all the way out, it's like you might see that, oh, that's not even particularly relevant like to what I want. So it doesn't really matter. So yeah, while the directive helps to make sort of, helps to guide decisions moment by moment, if someone is like controlling the cart in front of you and you're choosing one cart over the other, like you're still kind of being... Uh, guided down their frame, which isn't always a bad thing, but like I guess the the idea is like to know what you want. You have you do have to like zoom out and and see the bigger picture and consider like your life in totality. Or I mean, there's there's many different like zoom scales. So you could zoom out a, a year out, a, like ten years out, like on the scale of a lifetime, multiple lifetimes, even if you want. And some people go all the way and be like, oh, you know, where we are at as human beings in like the distant future of tens of thousands of years later i think that's a bit extreme i don't think that's healthy but that's my perspective you know i i just think that simply being aware that you can zoom in or zoom out relative to the frame that you're in gives you more like navigational flexibility but some people find that overwhelming some people find it like if especially if they're born and raised in very rigid frames so like i said earlier school is a very rigid frame and your culture can impose a very rigid frame on you. And so if you're very used to living in rigid frames, simply thinking more broadly 
can be disorienting for people, right? So there's that quote from Joseph Campbell who's saying that the mystic and the psychotic, they are both like in the same waters of chaos or whatever, but the mystic has learned to swim and the psychotic is drowning. And even simply just like, so like there's some set path that you might inherit from your family, from your peers, from school, whatever. And you might think, oh, I got to study hard and then I got to get a good job and I got to make lots of money and then I got to have kids, whatever. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but like every time you ask why or like to what end for, or, you know, like, is that what I want? Do I care about this? Do I have to? Like these questions can either give you more flexibility and freedom to explore or it can be disorienting. You're like, oh my God, what, what is anything? Right? <laughs> What's, you know, do I have free will? Do I have, you know, is my life meaningful? Like, and I think some of us who've already been through a lot of, there are crises to be had in that space. And I think a bunch of us have had those crises, sometimes really young, and we can neglect or forget how destabilizing it can be for someone else. So it's like, you know, yeah, sometimes people advocate for, oh, you should do psychedelics or you should do, or you should do go on some big spiritual journey or whatever. And um, it's, I'm not saying don't. Like, I do think, I do generally recommend it, but try to go in with your eyes open, right? Like, be, be aware that you're going to experience destabilization and disorientation in on that path and uh, pace yourself, I guess. Like, you don't need to, like change everything overnight you know you can just ask a question and then ah that's that's chaotic for me that's a bit much i'm gonna go back and think about it a little bit or distract myself for a while whatever and yeah you know every person has their own ideal pace for these things i really like this image i don't know if you know your thought he he drew like this very this very it's just a it's just a comic or like a cartoon of like a fire and there's a fire and then there's like different people standing different distances from that fire. And I think this was about relationships or boundaries or something, but like it applies to everything. Like every person for whatever your personal reasons, whatever you're wearing or whatever your, your natural sensitivity is, there's some ideal distance from the fire for you where if you're too close, you feel too hot, you're too far away, you feel too cold and nobody else can tell you precisely how far from the fire you should stand. And even that is a dynamic thing. It might be like earlier in the day, you stand further. When it's cold at night, you stand closer. And like, I'm reminded of the thing that you wrote about like, you know, like someone giving instructions. <laughs> Something going on? My cat's just going nuts. That's Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Cats be catting. Yeah. So it's like different people have different needs and feel comfortable with different levels of disorder order whatever and the tricky thing is when people think it saves them time or it's convenient or easy to tell someone else oh you should just do what i say do it do as i say or do as i do and it takes a lot more time to be like no you i mean you can try but you should think things through for yourself and even that i think some people find that to be too much responsibility or too much work and they want to just follow someone else's suggestions, which I am not a big fan of, but I have been coming around to something like, well, you know, a baker might say you should bake your own bread. And like, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll just buy whatever <laughs> bread you have. And is it the best possible bread I could eat, I could make for myself based on my taste and whatever? Probably not, but I'm willing to satisfy on that front. And... For me, I'm willing to satisfy on a lot of fronts and a lot of things except like my personal narrative for my own life and my own sense of who I am. And like, I feel like that's way too personal to to hand responsibility over to someone else. 
But it seems a lot of people, you know, like, so the shaman is like the baker, right? Like he has, he can help you with some of these things. And, but there's also like, you know, and, and now I'm thinking of funny things like, you know, there are like health guidelines or authorities and FDA and stuff like, oh, you can't do certain things so you don't poison people. But there isn't really any equivalent like FDA for <laughs> like like meaning, right? Like what 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 is an acceptable or appropriate way? And then you think, oh, this, is it going to have the meaning police? I don't know, it's funny. But yeah, it's just something to think about. Yeah, the Yatharth's image with the fire is really helpful to bring in there. Cause yeah, like I've got my, I've got the somatic resonance course that I run and that mm-hmm. is like very specifically my attempt at doing that kind of thing of like, okay, how do you teach people their own distance from the fire to like recognize yeah. in themselves? Oh, this right. is a little too warm. This is a little too cool. Right. I was like, that is the lowest, like in the body is the deepest, mm. lowest step that I can like mm. give to someone to help navigate further up stuff around right. that. And then I got to that, and now there's a lot of questions all the time of like, okay, but what's like the best way to find somatic resonance and deepen into my, like, what what are the three things I need to do? And I'm like, dang it, I can't even avoid it here. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, there's I just mean, always it, that. Yeah. yeah, it's just difficult to navigate. How much is it? How much is it? Hey, you got to at least know what bread tastes like to know that you're not buying sawdust right. versus like, you know what? It's fine for someone else to like make the bread for you. Mm-hmm. Just don't eat the sawdust bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, some some form of that thing is like, well, the 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 first principle of something like somatic resonance, I imagine, is that you have to ask, not you shouldn't ask someone else, you should ask your body, right? But like with the sawdust example, it's like for people who are substantially disembodied, that question doesn't quite make sense because they don't, you know, they they haven't yet had some... Like there's a there's a flash of insight or a flash of resonance or a flash of something that yeah, you know, it, it like I, I have been circling around this and and troubled by it somewhat. Like this the sense of for people who have not it hasn't had they haven't had that click in some way, uh it might be be like if they're in like an emergency scenario, it might be best for someone to just almost grab them. So like and what's coming to my mind is there there used to be these experiments that they did with dogs and learned helplessness. Like so they would it's like it's probably unethical today, but they would like it, like electrocute the dogs in the cages and with like random like random impulses or whatever. And so the dogs would just lay there and just take it until somebody would have to personally grab the dogs out of the cage and bring them out to show the dogs that it's possible to get out of the cage so that they can because when the dog was in the cage and and they just like who knows what's going on in the dogs' minds, but like they they just felt helpless and and couldn't even conceive of the possibility of getting out of the cage until someone dragged them out. So then some people will be like, well, is it ethical to drag a, a dog out of a cage if, like, you know, like, can the dog consent to that? Like, is it... And it's like, oh, boy. If I saw a dog in a cage that was getting electrocuted, I would probably drag it out if I could, right? Just to... And if it wants to go back in there... And, 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 and you know, it might. Like, there's, there's uh, these other studies. This would be, like, rats. Like, they raised some rats in conditions where the conditions are hostile. It's, like, loud, noisy, not a lot of food, whatever. And then they would raise other rats in these very nice conditions. And then they would bring them to, like, this communal area in between that's, like, better than home, quote-unquote home. And then when, if they play, like, a loud noise or something, that all the rats run back to home, where home is... Even if home is worse, right? And so it's, like oh man, like we all probably do some bit of that. Like we would return to things that are familiar even if it's not good for us because it's familiar. 
And that's so tricky to, to navigate because who is anybody to tell anybody else like what their path to healing or, or any such thing is. And so the best, the best thing I have at the moment or how I currently think about it is like, you just try and inform people as much as possible so that they can make more informed choices. Like you don't, I don't want to make choices for other people. I don't think that's, you know, there, there are extreme conditions in which that might make sense. Like if you see someone about to get hit by a car, like if you pull them out of the way, like, you know, like that's very easy to justify. But like, if you think someone is living their life in the equivalent way of you're getting hit by a car, but very slowly over like decades, and like, I'm going to intervene in your life and tell like move stuff around for you. Like some people do that. I don't feel the impetus to do that. I don't feel like I have the authority to do that. And even if I felt like I did, I don't think I would want to because I think the first principle has to be each person has to respect their own sovereignty and each person has to respect other people's sovereignty. And uh, someone who gets in the habit of of having someone else deal with their problems for them, like I don't know if that's a healthy path to go down. But again, it's, it's very hard to talk about these things in the abstract. Like, like every specific situation requires a different... Like even if, even if, if you grab someone... Out of the, pull someone out of the way of a car. Like I would still uh, like apologize. Like I'm sorry I like grabbed you. And you know, like it's just don't don't get into the habit of just feeling like it's your right slash obligation slash whatever to intervene in other people's lives. Because that's a very it's a dangerous habit to develop, right? Because then you start think, developing like a messiah complex and all kinds of crazy shit happens from there. Yeah, and the in like more in less metaphorical situations around that, it usually looks like by the time the bus is on its way, so to speak, like yeah. it's pretty much too late most of the time to actually do anything that is meaningfully mm. going to move the needle. Because yeah. <laughs> in real life situations, it might not look like a bus to them. It might be like, oh, the ice cream truck is almost here. Stop dragging me. Stop pulling me. I want the fucking ice cream. Like, yeah, Dude, yeah. no, no. Okay. Get yeah. it, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah. A lot of what I like to try to do is just like teach people about proper safety in traffic, essentially. It's like, <laughs> hey, yeah. does it feel yeah. good to be standing in the middle of the street all the time? Not right. really. <laughs> Have you ever spent time on the sidewalk? Let's let's take 10 minutes on the sidewalk and see how yeah. you feel. And then, then I'll let you go about your day. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember if it was Aristotle or like one of just one of those Greek philosophy boys might have been Plato I can't remember but they said something like it's easier to get people to behave in virtuous ways by having discussions about what virtue might or might not look like than by telling them what virtue is and why they should do it or, or like you know like and it makes sense to me it makes sense like I mean I don't know if I'm, I'm I might be butchering that quote in paraphrasing but like it's what you're saying as well. It's like rather than like drag people away from traffic, uh, which again might save them once, but like you know, you're you're not going to be there to drag every single person away from traffic. But like getting people to even just think about what's happening and see what's happening and feel what they feel, right? Like so, there's kind of a parallel with the teach a man to fish versus give a man a fish thing. Uh, yeah, like it it is it is interesting how that plays out and. And once you see that, like I do find that there's there's something of a relief to be had in 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 
I don't know. Like I, I'm, so, again, I'm still going through all of this myself and rethinking and questioning everything I've done and and how things have played out. But uh, yeah, people in a non-threatening, invasive way to consider things that they might benefit from considering, I think is a general approach that is, it can be fun as well, right? Like if you have like a playfulness to it rather than being severe about it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Is there anything you felt like you didn't get to say or anything else that feels important to leave in here at the end? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, like, to to take what we've just been talking about and to kind of pin it, go, bring it all the way back to focus on what you want to see more of, like, I always recommend that people start by doing an audit, like, just reflect on your life so far and, like, what are the things that, you know, like, even just making lists, like, what are five to ten things that have happened in your life that you really enjoy, that you feel, uh, wow, that, that was me at my best, you know, I really made a positive impact or positive difference or I'm proud of myself, I respect myself for doing that. And then make another list of the opposite of that, like what, when were you at your worst? What, what is like disappointing, shameful, upsetting, you know, that's, I, I regret that or, you know, I'm disappointed with myself about that. And just sitting with that information in front of your face, like at a coffee shop or whatever, I think is very generative. A lot of people have never even done that, you know, and it's like, I, I was doing it all the time when I was a teenager and uh, it really gives you, a, I, I guess, yeah, in order to focus on what you want to see more of, you have to have a good relationship with what you want and a lot of people don't even have that. Like, like they don't know what they mm-hmm. want or they have like a, a kind of, you know, my second book, in part, I started it to answer the question of how do you figure out what you want and because people ask me that all the time, how do I figure out what I want? And it's, it took me almost like three drafts of the book before I came around to, wait, that's the wrong question. Like the question, how you don't figure out what you want. It's not, it's not a thing in your brain that, the, like my friend Jessica, she says, it's not the brain's job to want things. Like the brain's job is to figure out stuff, but like not want things. And you, even the question, how do I figure out what I want? It's, it's a trick question. It's like a contradiction in terms. Because one thing comes from the body, right? It comes from the heart. It comes, I don't know where precisely it comes from. But I know it doesn't come from like your thinky-talky head. It comes from... Mm-hmm. Like children know what they want. They're, they're drawn to what they want and they, they, they flinch from what they don't want. And we get in our heads about what we're supposed to want, what we're supposed to not want, right? Like even so when you're mentioning like the, the fire thing... When I was mentioning the fire thing and you, you mentioned people asking questions. I think how that usually plays out is people so kids kids especially and i guess all of us we 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 know that we rely on our caregivers for survival as from a young age right so like what your parents want or your caregivers want may be more important than what you want because if you violate what they want then like they might ditch you or they might you know whatever like it's very important that for the child that the parents are safe and secure and whatever and or and then it might be the teacher or it might be some other authority figure. And so people learn to suppress what they want in order to do what the, the tribe wants or what the community wants or mm-hmm. what some imagined authority wants. Or even like the internalized tyrant over self who is sort of a proxy for everybody else, what they want. And so when people ask, how do I figure out what I want? They're imagining that it's some kind of puzzle that needs to be solved but it's not like it's rather there's there's a barricade that has been constructed between like the raw desire and it's like mess, mixed up with shame and confusion and whatever, and it's more the actual question is more of like 
how and why am I blocking myself from feeling what I want, right? And that's a whole, you know, so again, it's a whole journey to go on to kind of like tap at the bricks of that because there's usually a good reason why you have, why someone has yes. separated what they want from how they live their lives and then they feel bored, they feel listless, like, ah, I don't feel like doing anything. It, it's not that you don't feel like doing anything, it's that you have you have kind of locked up your your, your desires and, and wants in in a labyrinth, right? In a, in a, away from whatever. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, it's, this is like a closing thought, but it's actually like, it opens up this whole new hero's journey of <laughs> going inside your labyrinth and figuring out who you are and what you want and why you want what it. I mean, so again, I, I just said figuring out, but like, it's, that's, again, that's still the wrong language to use. It's like, mm-hmm. you've, if there's something to figure out, it's really to figure out the, the labyrinth. <clears throat> to figure out the like the the conceptual prison that you have used to kind of lock up your heart, right? Which sounds dramatic, but like people do that in, in like maybe in less dramatic terms, but like you know we we kind of put our desires like in a box under the bed in our in our self, right? And then you got to take the box out and open it. And it might be that when you take the box out and open it, like you're gonna it's gonna be ups, very upsetting. Chances are, or like just mm-hmm. troubling, frustrating. You're gonna want to cry or, or be angry at your mom or like there's, there's some mess there that we put away because we need to live our day to day lives, and uh, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, like, and I, I guess I, what I th- how I approach it in my book is like you can practice it in little ways. So even things like let's try a different candy or a different eat something different for lunch. Like you try those kind of like very very chill, superficial, small difference kind of things you have practice with that like what do i feel like having for lunch today like like really feel it out and then when you when you practice making those little decisions it's practice for like bigger and bigger decisions eventually with like how do i want to be living my life which is like uh, such a grand scary question yeah so yeah i guess for people who are listening or whatever, like don't don't beat yourself up if you feel like you're not quite sure what you want or you know if you if you like that's that's another trap in a way like um it's okay to be unsure. It's like, again, we live in a society we, and we were children who grew up with families and like, it's very normal for people to have all these kind of messy complexes around what they want and what they don't want. And uh, I want to affirm that it's worthwhile to kind of go on that internal journey. It's worthwhile to be, become more in tune with yourself. Whatever that means. So, like, someone listening might be like, nah, I have no idea what the, this guy just said. Like, okay, fair enough. You know, you, you, you may find it from some other angle. That's fine. But, like, it's possible. I, I want people to know that it's possible to arrive at a more resonant sense of yourself. And then, once you know what you want, once you have a sense, a felt sense of what you want, right, then you can direct your focus in more healthy ways. And then just everything just compounds better and better from there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, well, I could also just go forever on this whole question of yeah, like right. desire yeah. and eros and the ways mm-hmm. that we lock it away from ourselves. And mm-hmm. yeah, that does seem felt sense in the heart, in the body. Yeah. That's definitely my approach as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we should probably leave off here so we don't have another 50 minutes to go. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming in today, man. Thanks for having me. And that's today's episode. Focus your time and energy on what you want to see more of. If you want to know more about Visa, his Twitter and his website are in the show notes, along with some of my own links that you can use to support Tassiography and the other work that I do 
just generally around. <laughs> I won't say this every episode, but I do take a lot of time on side projects like this to, yeah, help create a better commons and pull together some people to gather and express ideas that I find really nourishing and that I would like to be more densely woven together and more a part of the general conversation. So if you can take time to support some of this, I really appreciate it. I put in a fair amount of time and effort on these. All right, see you next time.